Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good evening. If, uh, if Deacon and I look a little tired tonight, it's because we just spent the whole weekend with uh, 80 of our 7th and 8th graders on retreat. So, your sympathy would be really lovely at this point tonight. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Deacon and I, along with Claire, our youth minister, we spent the weekend down at Damascus in Centerburg uh, for their confirmation retreat. There was 80 of our kids, I don't know, about 100 other kids. I mean, from, uh, yeah, it was, it was huge from all over... Uh, um, there's Toledo and Columbus and different parts of the state. It was really, really awesome. Um, all sorts of high adventure activity, high ropes, giant swing, rock wall, archery tag, all these things. You should have seen Deacon on the giant swing. He screams like you wouldn't believe. It was something. It was really, really something. It was a really great weekend. Uh, but you just don't sleep for two straight days. It's pretty great, though. Um, Powerful experiences with these kids uh, in worship and adoration, just seeing the Lord just show up in very powerful ways. We had kids who were healed of physical issues, um, knee issues, ankle issues, stomach issues. Just they prayed over each other and like that, things were gone. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, kids giving, sharing testimonies of, of encountering the Lord's love, feeling this powerful presence of Jesus coming upon them. Kids getting just visions of the saints. I mean, you just talk about, this is the kind of stuff that we all hope for, you know. It was really, really awesome just to watch the Lord show up. You know, I've been a disciple now since I was 16, but it's just, it never fails to uh, amaze. It never fails to amaze. Um, Watching other people come to possess or come to grasp the reality that God is real. This is all real. Do you know that? This is all real? Do we all know this? Yeah, I hope so. Like sometimes we get lulled into forgetting that it's real. But we talk about these realities we invoke, these stories that we listen to in these scriptures. What all of our sacraments signify, it's all real. And it's quite incredible. So it's amazing to watch faith get awoken in the hearts of our young people, like it was this weekend. Faith, right? Faith, faith is the theme that is woven through our scriptures this weekend, from the prophet Habakkuk to the psalm we heard to what we hear Paul exhorting them in, uh, in, his, in his letter there, and also the gospel, right? The gospel starts, begins with this cry from the heart of the apostles, Lord, increase our faith, increase our faith. There's something so beautiful about that. What is faith? Right? It's one of those churchy words, right, that we, we use so often that until we pause and ask the question, like, what, is it, what actually does that mean? What is faith? It's not mere intellectual assent. I mean, it, it is that, but it's, it's so much more than that, right? It's not merely assenting to ideas or propositions or truths, right? The, the, the apostles weren't just saying, Jesus, like, we want to know more things about you. That's not what they were asking. Like, increase our, you know, capacity to assent to propositions. That's not what they were saying. Nor is it what we mean when we, you know, say, Lord, I just wish I had a stronger faith, or I wish I had a faith like so-and-so, right? 
What we mean there is something deeper. Right? Biblically speaking, we can go into the, the, all the etymology. I'm not going to do that too much tonight. But the Greek word that we hear for faith is the Greek word pistis. Two primary meanings of the word pistis. One is uh, openness. And the other is trustworthiness or trust, entrustment. Right? Biblically speaking, that's what I'm going to focus on. This second meaning of trust, entrustment. Faith is when you entrust yourself to a reality greater than yourself, right? I was using the example for the closing mass this morning for their confirmation retreat. I was talking about how in all these high adventure activities, you put on this harness to climb the rock wall. You get strapped in with this rope, right? Or you get put on this harness and you go up for the giant swing. Or you put on a harness and you get strapped in. You go up to the, this vertical playpen thing, you know? And it's just like every, every one of those activities, you put on a harness, you have this metal carabiner which locks onto a rope, and you are entrusting yourself to this rope. You're entrusting yourself to the people holding the rope. You're entrusting yourself to the, to the belay system that's going to pull you, bring you down. It's an entrustment. I'm putting my life on the line here. I'm putting my life in the hands of another. That kind of faith, that trust, that pistis in the Greek, that's, that's not just simply head faith. That's that's, that's the faith that's the, that's the fruit of relationship. When we speak about entrusting yourself to another person, that's what we mean, biblically speaking, when we talk about faith. Do I have faith in this person? Have I entrusted myself to this person? That's the fruit of trust. And this is where the church's wisdom, I think, is so beautiful in the readings that she gives us this weekend. The responsorial psalm that we just sang it's all about hearing the Lord's voice, right? If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Like I've got to hear his voice if I'm going to be in relationship with him. And if I'm going to trust him, I have to be in relationship with him. See how all these things go together. See the church's wisdom here. So that's what I want to do. That's what I want to talk about for the remainder of this homily in particular a little bit of catechesis for us this evening, specifically on prayer, but this whole idea of hearing God's voice. Just earlier this week, uh, I think it was in the seventh grade, I think it was a seventh grader who asked me this week just about, um, Father Pat, how do you know you're hearing God's voice? I think a lot of us have probably asked that question. How do you know you're hearing God's voice. So let's talk about this whole notion of the voice. I think there's a lot of people who hear that phrase, that psalm, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And there's a lot of us who maybe think, oh, this doesn't apply to me because I've never, never heard, I've never heard God's voice. I don't hear God's voice. I pray all the time, don't hear his voice. Here's the first question I want to ask, honestly, right? What are you expecting to hear? What are you expecting to hear? What are you expecting to happen? And I ask that, I guess somewhat tongue-in-cheek facetiously here, because I think a lot of us carry unconsciously a sort of childish, Mel Brooks, history of the world kind of vision of God's voice, right? Moses went up the mountain. Moses, yes, Lord, yeah, can you hear me, right? Yes, Lord, I can hear you, right? I think some of us, maybe for, you know, when push comes to shove, we're like, I guess that's what I'm expecting to hear. And look, most people, and I really do mean most people, they, they won't hear God's voice like that, like you're hearing my voice. If you do hear God's voice like you're hearing my voice right now, come talk to me. I want to hear about that, right? Okay? 
Because that sounds amazing. Most of us won't hear God's voice audibly with our own ears, with our own hearing senses, right? Pope Benedict XVI, he said that the organ for perceiving God is the heart. The organ for perceiving God is the heart. He doesn't, of course, mean like the muscle that pumps blood through our bodies. He means that place in us, that place of deep interiority, that place of deep silence, that place where we are alone with God, our thoughts, feelings, desires, that place, right? The place that loves. That's the thing that's capable of hearing and perceiving God. Here's the foundation and the principle that we have to work with. Like you were made... As a human being, you were made to be in relationship with God. You were made for this. You were made to have your heart and your mind opened to perceive God. In other words, you were made to hear his voice. This is what you were made for, right? This is what it means to be human. To be human is to be that creature that is able to be in relationship with God. The church fathers called this our kapax dei. Kapax dei. It's Latin for capable of God. We have capacity in our humanity to be in relationship with him through our intellect and will and our hearts. The human nature, just like every other nature, is a certain set of potentialities. I'm getting real nerdy on you, but stay with me. It's a certain set of potentialities. Like, I am the kind of creature that has the potential one day, right? When I was a little baby, I had the potential one day to speak. I had the potential one day to walk upright bipedal locomotion to stand upright. I had the potential one day to think critically. I had the potential to build and to do art and to sing and paint and draw. Like, that's a built-in potential of my humanity and same with yours, right? I am not the kind of creature that has the potential to navigate via echolocation because I'm not a dolphin, right? Do you know this? Okay, I'm just making sure you're with me. Okay. Like, I don't have the potential to live underwater or fly through the air. Those potentialities are not natural to human nature, right? Okay. But to dialogue with God, to be in relationship with God, to hear his voice, is one of those human potentialities. So, all of that's a long way of getting around to say that if you feel like you don't hear God's voice, I can't hear God's voice, Just take a deep breath and realize you were literally designed for this. And maybe that potential has not yet been drawn out of you. Just like we would say, it would be very silly for like an infant to just conclude, well, I, you know, I can't walk and I don't think I ever will walk. Like, no, just that potential hasn't been drawn out of you yet, right? One of the most common things I hear about prayer, like I said, that question from that seventh grader, how do I distinguish between my, how do I know I'm hearing my voice? How do I distinguish between my voice and God's voice? How do I know I'm not making all of this up in my own head? You don't have to raise a hand. We're not looking for confession, but I dare say many of us have probably thought this or asked this. Yes or yes? Yes. All right, so here's what we have to know. Within our hearts, Within our hearts, there are three primary voices that are spoken. And I'm not simply, I'm not talking about, you know, schizophrenics. I'm not talking about multiple personality disorder. There's my voice, number one. There's God's voice. And there's the enemy voice. And often, often, all those voices can sound like my own voice. Okay, so let's start with your inner voice, your interior voice. Everyone right now, in your own head, in your own heart, say your name but not out loud. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Good. 
Very good. Raise your hand if you heard yourself say your name in your head. How bizarre, because no one actually said anything out loud, right? Okay, now, I want you to start singing in your head the happy birthday song. Ready, go. Raise your hand if you can hear it. Okay. That voice that we hear, that is our, our voice is the voice that we direct. We're in charge of that voice. It's also true of imagery, right? Internally, in your head, in your imagination right now, I want you to picture an elephant. Who can see the elephant? Okay. Now make that elephant pink in your imagination. Now make the elephant green. Now imagine the elephant with its trunk holding a teacup. Who can see it? Okay. Okay. So that is our interior voice. That's our interior voice. Now, there are images and words that spontaneously come up along the way that maybe it's in response to something we say. Maybe it's in response to something I think, right? And those words, those images, that can sound a lot like my own voice. But here's the place where you have to use discernment because you have to ask, what's the tone that's being spoken of, right? The tone of shame, the tone of accusation, the tone of sadness, condemnation, all of that, that's the enemy's voice. That's the enemy's voice. When you discern that tone, a tone that, if I follow that, where does that lead me? It leads me down. It leads me isolated. It leads me feeling hopeless. When you discern that tone, you stop listening. That's the enemy speaking. It's very different. The voice of accusation is very different than the voice of conviction, right? Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Spirit into the world to convict the world of sin. Right? We might hear interiorly a voice that's convicting us, naming our sin, and we're moved to repentance and we're still left with hope. That's God's voice. That's God's voice. But a voice that knows our name but calls us by our sin, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. God's voice, it's consoling, it's uplifting, it's affirming, it embraces, it's empowering, and it's declarative. He says things like, I am here, you are mine. Listen to how he speaks in the scriptures. You are my beloved. The enemy's voice is usually dripping and conditional, right? He might say things like, you should do more. If only you had tried harder, if you would work harder, you're not really good enough. Right? Why can't you sit still and pray? All of that, that's how the enemy speaks. God speaks in silence. He speaks in stillness. And oftentimes God vo God's voice can sound like an image. It can sound like a sound lyric. It can sound like a song lyric. It can sound like a movie clip. That's how often God speaks to me in these images, these movie clips, these song lyrics. St. Joan of Arc, when she was on trial, she was accused of making all of this stuff, stuff up in her head. She said, well, where else would God speak to me if not in my imagination? God gave us our imagination to be the place in which he would speak to us. So friends, all of this is an invitation to enter more deeply into relationship with the Lord. He is speaking. He is speaking. His voice is uplifting. The enemy's voice is condemning and isolating like we hear in the scriptures today, if, you, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts to be in relationship, right? To be in relationship, that's where the faith comes from. So as we pray this week, let us have open ears and open hearts to listen to the Lord who is speaking those words of life.
Amen.